Hello, my name is Joshua Roberts and I'm an attorney at law and you're watching Lawyer Up. In the next series of episodes, we're going to be talking about DWIs, driving while intoxicated. In this episode, we're going to talk about what a DWI is. What does DWI stand for and what's the elements of a crime? In the next episode, we'll move to the law enforcement investigation of the DWI. That'll take us out to the roadside and we'll talk about field sobriety tests. We're gonna talk about breathalyzer tests and we're gonna answer that age old question, should you blow or should you not? In the third episode, we're gonna talk about what to expect when you're going through the criminal court system dealing with a DWI charge. And finally, we're gonna deal with an administrative DWI and that's how you get your license back. How do you deal with a DMV after a DWI charge? If you learned something while you're watching these episodes, hit that like button. If you have something to say, comment below. If you've got a friend that you think would like this channel, share on social media. Finally, if you want to learn more about the law, hit that subscribe button for me. Remember, I am a lawyer, but I am not your lawyer. If you need information specific to your legal situation, you need to lawyer up. Now I've been practicing law for over 20 years and I've handled over 800 DWI cases from both the prosecutor side and the defense side. And I can't say that I've seen it all, but I've seen enough to know that these cases are very complicated. Criminal laws vary from state to state. The DMV and the driver's license reinstatement requirements vary from state to state. Whether you should take the breathalyzer or refuse it can depend upon your particular legal situation and the laws of the particular state. So you should definitely never try to handle a DWI yourself. You should always lawyer up. So let's talk about what a DWI is. Let's talk about the acronyms for a moment. You may have heard DWI, that's driving while intoxicated. You may have also heard DUI, that's driving under the influence. There are a few states that call it OUI, operating under the influence. All three of these acronyms basically are talking about the same exact crime. DWI, driving while intoxicated. DUI, driving under the influence. OUI, operating under the influence. All talking about the same exact thing. So for the purposes of this video, I'm going to refer to all of those things as a DWI. A BAC ticket, blood alcohol content ticket, is a different animal. You can be intoxicated with a DWI at any level of intoxication. Uh, a BAC ticket is referring to somebody who may not get a ticket for a DWI, but they are driving with a blood alcohol content in excess of 0.08, and that's the legal limit in all 50 states. Now, you don't see many BAC tickets anymore. They were more popular about 25 years ago. Over the last 20 years, the legislature has blurred the lines and blurred the difference between a DWI and a BAC ticket. 25 years ago, uh, a BAC was a lesser offense, and so a lot of criminal defense lawyers would try to get a DWI amended down to a BAC. But the legislature has made those two charges the functional equivalents of one another. There is no benefit to a BAC charge these days. And in fact, I haven't seen one in my state in probably 20 years. So what you're going to see in a criminal context is a DWI charge. Now let's talk about the elements of a DWI charge. The exact crime is operating a motor vehicle in an intoxicated or drugged condition. And it sounds very, very simple. 
But as you probably know, anytime you get a pack of lawyers involved in something, they can complicate things in a hurry. So let's start with the first element and that's operating. Now, of course, operating means driving. If you're driving around in your vehicle, you are obviously operating it, but it goes beyond that. And I'll just tell you so it's clear, keys in the ignition, that is operating a motor vehicle. And I'll say it again, because it's important, keys in the ignition. I've handled several cases over the years which can illustrate why this is significant. And I call these the convenience store cases. In these cases, my clients were out either at a bar or at a party or doing something late at night. They started driving home and they realized that they had had too much to drink. They should not be driving. So the first thing that comes to mind and the first thing they see is about the only thing that's open that time of night, a convenience store. So they pull into the parking lot and in one case, a client of mine decided to go in and get a cup of coffee to help sober her up. Now, as we all know, drinking a cup of coffee or caffeine does not lower your blood alcohol content level. So it technically doesn't sober you up. However, if you're drowsy, drinking a cup of coffee can increase your alertness. It just doesn't do anything with your blood alcohol content levels. In that instance, she went back to her car, which was running, and she was sitting there drinking a cup of coffee. In another situation, I had a client pull into the convenience store, and it was January. It was very cold, and it was the middle of the night. So he decided he was going to crawl in the back seat of his vehicle and sleep it off. He decided he would sleep for a couple of hours and then uh, basically wake up and drive home. He left his car running because it was freezing outside. And in a third scenario, I had a client who was at a party when a fight broke out. He decided he did not want to be there when the cops were called, so he hopped in his car and started driving home. On the way home, he realized he had had too much to drink, so he pulled into a convenience store parking lot, shut his vehicle off, left the keys in the ignition, and called a friend to come and pick him up. In all three of these instances, a police officer showed up at the convenience store. And that's not uncommon. At late at night, they're about the only things open. And so if a police officer gets a break, they'll go in there and get themselves a cup of coffee. Well, in all three instances, the police officer was wanting to check on the uh, well-being of my clients. Two of the three of them for obvious reasons. In the one case, they've got a client that's sleeping in the back seat of their car while their car is running. And in another case, we have a client of mine that while he was waiting on his ride had completely passed out sitting in his car with it shut off. So of course the officer taps on the window, uh, wakes him up or talks to him and says, hey, you know, are you okay? What's going on here? And immediately the officer can smell the overwhelming aroma of intoxicants. Uh, he knows they've been drinking. And at the end of the encounter, all three of those get DWIs. Why? Because operating means keys in the ignition. If you have your keys in the ignition, you are operating your motor vehicle. Now, some states require that the vehicle actually be turned on, but in most states, you can be sitting behind the wheel or even in the back seat of your car. Your car can be completely off, but if the keys are in the ignition, you are operating that motor vehicle for the purposes of a DWI charge. I've even seen a situation of domestic violence where 911 was called and the female went out into the parking lot. It was at an apartment complex. She gets in her vehicle. She starts it because it's at night. It's cold. She locks herself in there. And ultimately, when the police arrived to deal with the domestic abuse charge, she got a ticket for operating a motor vehicle under the influence. Kind of hard to believe, but technically it was a violation of the law. I didn't handle the case, but I read about it where three guys were out with a vehicle that wasn't even operational. It wasn't running at all. And they started pushing it. 
and they pushed it up a little hill and it started coasting down. So one of them jumped behind the wheel and guided the vehicle into a parking lot at the bottom of the hill. Well, an officer observed the whole thing. They considered that operating a motor vehicle and the guy got a ticket for DWI because he was intoxicated. So remember, if you're ever in that situation, you need to take your keys out of the ignition. Now, what I haven't seen yet is these push button cars, how the courts will interpret if you're just sitting, sitting in your vehicle, you don't have your car on, keys can't be in the ignition because they don't go in the ignition. And it will be interesting to see how courts deal with that type of a scenario. The next element is that you're operating a motor vehicle. And obviously that applies to a car, it applies to a truck, it applies to a motorcycle, but it can also apply to other motorized vehicles. An ATV is an obvious example. I've had several cases of DWI with an ATV involved. And I've had more than one of those clients tell me that they thought it was silly, that drinking and driving a four-wheeler doesn't make any sense. And I had tended to agree with them early on. About 10 years ago, there was a guy not too far from my house that was out. He was intoxicated and he was riding his four-wheeler. He came around a corner a little bit too fast and met a Ford truck head on. He was killed instantly. So when people say it's silly and they can't harm anybody by drinking and driving on a four-wheeler, I tell them, you can. You can harm yourself. And we need to remember that DWI laws are meant to protect not only the community at large, but also the individual who's operating the motor vehicle because every life is important. Now the motor vehicle scenario kind of begs the question, does that apply to any motorized vehicle? What about those bikes that have those little teeny tiny motors on them to propel them? What about a scooter that an old person rides? And taking it to its logical extreme, what about a electronic wheelchair? Now a lot of states have defined a motor vehicle for the purposes of the DWI laws as being any vehicle with an engine larger than 49 cubic centimeters, 49 cc's, which is why in some states you'll see people who have their license revoked driving mopeds and the license plate will say 49 cc or something like that because those are exempt from the motor vehicle traffic laws in some states. In other states, there's no specification on what can be a motor vehicle. So conceivably, an electronic wheelchair could be a motor vehicle. And I've got a friend of mine who's a police officer and he tells this story where he was uh, working and called to a scene. When he arrived, there was at the bottom of a ravine, uh, an electronic wheelchair that had overturned. And there was a man down there and he was clutching a bottle of Jim Beam at the bottom of this ravine. Now he wasn't hurt. It was essentially a water retention basin which was grassy next to a neighborhood. My officer friend in investigating the scene asked him, what are you doing? How did this happen? And the man explained that he had gone to the liquor store to get him a fifth of whiskey and that he was driving his electronic wheelchair back to his house. When the sidewalk ended, he decided not to go into the street, but to stay on the edge of the grassy area. Well, somehow one thing led to another and both he and his electronic wheelchair tumbled down to the bottom of this water retention basin. Well, everybody was okay and we all got a good laugh out of it. Um, but I asked him, did you give him a ticket for DWI? And the officer said, no, I didn't. He said, but I thought about it. All this happened and it was 9.30 in the morning. Wow. So just know that a motor vehicle can really be any type of a motorized mode of transportation. Now, the next element we need to talk about is being intoxicated. And that can be by any number of things. Obviously that includes alcohol, but there is one classic case from California that we learned about in law school where an individual had gone to a cafe and had ingested so much green tea 
that it made him drowsy. Police officer pulled him over for swerving in traffic, gave him the field sobriety test, and actually wrote him a ticket for being intoxicated after drinking green tea. So the moral of that story is anything can make you intoxicated. It doesn't have to be alcohol. Another common misconception when it comes to intoxication is that you have to blow above a .08. You do not. I have handled several cases where an officer has written a DWI for somebody who blew below the legal limit. You can be intoxicated at any level. If you think about a person that has um, a low tolerance for alcohol, they could be intoxicated less than a .08. There's also scenarios where the person has mixed alcohol with some other drug. They're obviously intoxicated, they're obviously impaired, but when they take the breathalyzer, they blow below a .08. In instances like that, an officer can write a ticket for an individual being intoxicated, even though they did not blow above a .08. So know that you can be intoxicated by almost anything. The last element would be a drugged condition, and this includes both street drugs. If you're smoking marijuana, you can be impaired such that you can't operate a motor vehicle safely. It includes harder drugs like methamphetamine, of course. It includes prescription drugs. I've had clients tell me, well, I can't get a DWI for taking Xanax. It was prescribed by my doctor. Well, you can. Just because you have a prescription for something doesn't mean that you get to take too much of it or you get to take it and drive if you're a danger to the community. So you can be in a drugged condition illegally while you're on your own prescription medication. And these drugged condition cases are often frustrating for police officers. They'll find somebody and they can tell that the person is definitely impaired and when they blow a 000 on the BAC test, they know that it's not alcohol. They know it's something else. Which is why a lot of officers are getting trained in recognizing when people are on various drugs. These officers are called drug recognition experts and they are trained in observing symptoms that people exhibit when they have ingested certain illegal drugs. What's interesting about the drug recognition experts is that drugs affect the body in different ways. Some of them may cause a temperature to go up, some cause a temperature to go down, some cause hyperactivity, some cause sluggishness. They may cause your eyes to constrict, they may cause your pupils to expand. So understanding how each particular drug can affect an individual helps these drug recognition experts get impaired and drugged drivers off of the streets. So that concludes episode one, what is a DWI? You now understand that a DWI, a DUI, and an OUI are all basically the same thing. The next episode we're going to move to the streets and we're going to talk about the investigation of the DWI by law enforcement. Thank you for watching and if you learned something, hit that like button for me. If you have something to say, comment below. If you want to learn more about the law, subscribe. If you got friends that would like this channel, please share on social media. You've been watching Lawyer Up. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dead, get me out of this.